Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor Study. Yesterday I talked with a mom who was just beaming and she said, Tom, I watched my daughter get baptized today. And she said, I've been praying for her for 18 years. She's been a drug addict. Finally, she's into Teen Challenge, getting help with her addiction, and I watched her get baptized. Some of you watching this show have an addiction problem, maybe with drugs or alcohol or sexual addictions of sorts, but, uh, or maybe you've got a loved one. This half hour is to talk about how Christians should deal with addiction. So it's an important uh, episode. I want to introduce you to George Fraser. Hi, George. Tom. George is an expert in addiction, and we're just going to pick his brain. Let's pray before we begin. Father, we pray for anyone watching this show that has an addiction and they know they need to get some help. And we pray that you might use this half hour to be the beginning of that. And Lord, we would pray that you'd bring each of us watching this show, whatever our addictions, to a deeper walk with Christ and to freedom. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right. Uh, so just going to pick your brain here, George, on addiction. First, how did you come to Christ? Well, tell me your conversion story. I came to Christ in high school, and the reason was uh, there was a pastor at the church my family went to, Congregationalist, actually, UCC. And I got kicked out of a private school for using drugs and was going downhill. And this guy loved me up. He'd come meet with me every week. And one day he said to me, George, if you died tonight, do you think you'd go to heaven or hell? Well, it was like, this isn't close. I know where I'm going. He said, do you want to change that? And so we opened the Bible, John 3, gave my life to Christ. But I didn't get sober right then. It took me probably about 10 more years in and out of recovery. But I had a need for Jesus in that I was coming up short. And growing up in the church, I had gotten enough out of that that I knew there was a way we were supposed to live. And John 3, 16, okay. I, you know, my first verse. and. This happened and I got to say, but the sanctification process took a while. Okay. Um, do you think all Christians are addicts in some way or in recovery? I, I think all Christians should be in recovery because... If and what we, does recovery mean? To me, what it means is if we're saved, there was a reason we needed to be saved because we're sinners. How does our life look now? What, what has changed? What are we doing differently? If I'm indwelt by the Holy Spirit, my life is going to change. And I have forgiveness of sins, but am I more holy? Am I still doing what I used to do? I think today for a lot of us, and I know for me for eight years, I knew I was a Christian, but I had to basically tell people that. I think we go to Francis Schaeffer, who back in the 70s or 80s said, if you got arrested for being a Christian, is there enough evidence mm -hmm. to convict you? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I've had to, in my ministry, confront people that were living in alcoholism, we'll say, you know. And the verse for me is 1 Corinthians 6, don't be deceived, you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God, neither fornicators, adulterers, homosexuals, drunkards, yep. revilers, and, and such were some of you, but you were washed. 
And I have to tell these people, you know, the way you're living in this sin, I'm concerned about where you're going to spend eternity. So this subject is an important one. And so, so George, how does, if somebody's watching this and they've got this addiction and they want to know how do I get out of it, because I really want out of it, what would you tell them? First of all, I think we need to pray to God to change our heart. Because really why we get into sin is we want to. We're not doing anything that we don't want to do. And I know for me that was a problem. I wanted to do what Jesus wanted me to do, but not as much as I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I wanted a both hand. It was a little bit of a prosperity gospel mm -hmm. in that I'll take the salvation for 500, Alec, but um, I want to do what I want to do. And, and what the Bible really says is that if he's going to be our savior, he needs to be Lord over yeah. all areas. Deny yourself, take up your cross. Daily. Uh -huh. And so what I would do is pray for the desire to change your heart. So that's the step number one. Step number one, pray to have God change my heart. Um, and I think the fact the miracle has started that if you're thinking about that, because if you look back for people that get sober, Tom, we should have done this a long time ago. Why one day did it make sense to me, I'm going to get sober? That came from the Holy Spirit, okay. who when it convicts you, when he convicts you, also offers you hope. So if you're thinking, if you're watching this and you're thinking, hey, I'd like to quit using, that's miracle number one. That came from God. But act on it. Do your part. Get on your knees. God, please forgive me as a sinner. Help me to, to quit doing this. Change my heart change my behavior. And then get into a good church? Get into a good church, read that book, mm -hmm. and also call Teen Challenge, call Salvation Army. Um, you need help with this. And it's not easy. You should have done this a long time ago and you know that, but praise God that all of a sudden you do want to do it. That's a miracle. What do you say to this person? I do pray. I do go to church, and I still slip and fall. What do you, what do, you do with that person? Well, gosh, that person would be me. Uh -huh. uh, seven years of in and out of recovery. I'd get three months, and I'd go and celebrate. The sanctification process, that getting holy, doesn't happen right away. But you have to have your part of sticking to it. 1 John uh, 1 9, I believe it is, if we're faithful to confess our sins, he's faithful to yes. forgive us. No matter how many times we slip. Yeah, and, and it's not a performance scoreboard, how you doing, mm -hmm. but keep pressing on towards the goal. Now, you've been so sober for quite a while now. Yeah, about 34 years. All right, so before you were slipping and falling and repenting, slipping and falling, what was the difference that made it, had, that gives you 34 years of sobriety? What was the difference? I kept adding to my recovery. Uh, I got in with an accountability group with a bunch of men who were Catholic Christians, most of them, and uh, worked steps to not use. And I started working out, and I think what happened is I realized I could get out of my recovery what I was trying to get out of my using. I like getting high, I like socializing, I like relaxing, I like escaping, stress reduction. There's a reason we do what we do, but we can get it from a source that can't give it to us without a lot of consequence. And for me, one of the things is I started working out. Exercise. I, I can still get high every day. All you do when you use a mood-altering chemical is change how you feel. Okay. But it works every time. 12-ounce can is a lot easier than swimming two miles. Uh-huh. But... Uh, what we're trying to do is get something that gets us closer to God, but you can't. It's a God substitute, right? I, I think, yeah, and I think to me, uh, the huge determinator, if you're going to get better, is are you willing 
to get help regularly on a weekly basis. Yes. And do you still get help? Yes. I, I, I am in an accountability group. Well, I'm a counselor now. God's call on my life turned out to be not the corporate bigwig that I thought I was, uh, but he gave me the gift of sobriety and I get to work with other people. We uh -huh. sold our family business. I went back to school. Uh, I started working with people. Um, the problem was secular treatment, and I worked at Hazelden, I worked at Fairview University, a lot of really good people. You can stop a behavior, but my Bible says in Acts 4.12, by no other name are you saved. So you've got a harvest field out there of people that have changed their life based on biblical principles, but they don't know the Savior. Yeah. It's appointed once the man to die, and then the judgment. And so what I'm able to do is go work with people. I never get sick of seeing dead people. You talked about the girl in your church, the mother, yeah. that are dead, and the, a living God that I can't see changes them and makes yep. them alive again. I will never get tired yep. of seeing that. And you know, it, what's, what's the use of getting someone off of drugs or alcohol if they're still going to go to hell when they die? So we right. need to go to the second step and get them to Jesus, which leads to the next question. Okay. Is it okay for a Christian to go to an Alcoholics Anonymous group where they talk about the higher power, but it's not necessarily Christ? Is it okay for a Christian to go to AA? That's really a good question. Um, my opinion on that is yes, and there's a couple reasons. The 12 steps came out of the Bible. And Bill W. was a believer, wasn't he? Dr. Bob. Uh -huh. And could Bill could have been, but Dr. Bob was in a group called the Oxford Group. Yes. And that was an early Christian, uh, early 20th century Christian group. And interestingly enough, the way God brought these two men together, Bill Wilson was a stockbroker in New York. He lost everything, he became an analyst. He's going to Akron, Ohio because he got sober for six months and he wants to take over a company. The board meeting is the next day. Bill is there, he has the votes to take it over, but it word leaks out that he's an alcoholic and he loses it. He looks in the bar, he wants to go in and drink, but God speaks to him, you need to work with another alcoholic. He looks over at the, uh, the wall in the hotel and there's church numbers. Now you're a pastor, this is at night, he calls a church number, Pastor's still there. I'm sure that doesn't happen every day, Tom. And uh, the, he tells the pastor, I'm from New York, Bill Wilson. I'm going to drink if I don't work with the drunk. Do you have somebody I can talk to? He goes, I do. Gave, her, gave him a name of a lady named Henrietta Sieberling. Okay. He calls her and explains it. And she said, I've been expecting your call, Bill. In her Oxford prayer group, was a man named Dr. Bob Smith, and they were praying that somebody would come help him. That's how Alcoholics Anonymous got started. And got. they were Christians to begin with, weren't they? It was, yes, yeah. and, and they watered it down to not offend people. Yeah. The way, one of the reasons we know the Bible's true is if you live by the biblical principles, Proverbs, Ten Commandments, uh -huh. your life will change, and, and that's the 12 steps. But I want people to go there because if you get saved and you, get sober. God has a job for you to do. Tom, you know yeah. that in your life. Mm -hmm. um, I got sober not for me to get out of jail, although that was helpful. I didn't want to go. <laughs> um, God has a job for you to do, and we don't get saved without God having a job for us. And it's really cool because he goes, no matter how far down the scale you have gone, you will now regret the past because I have a job for you. 
And you know, I think it's okay for a Christian to go to AA because you know who your higher power is. Absolutely. As long as you don't compromise that. I mean, if somebody else wants to think their higher power is a doorknob, that's their problem. That doesn't need to prevent me from going to the meeting to get my own help. But right. there's a group called Alcoholics Victorious, yes. which is specifically a Christian AA group. But there aren't many of those, are there? Not that I'm aware of. There also is um, Rational Recovery, and there's also Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery is where is it's, it, there, that's in a lot of different churches. Rick Warren out of Saddleback yep. Church, and it's a good program. But I also look at, I'm going there, I know who my higher power is. For all you people out there who go to meetings, I want you thinking that you go there because you know who your higher power is. Mm -hmm. um, and I also, if a Christian would go, can maybe lead other people to the Lord. That's a yes. big piece. Yes, oh, there you go. And, and so let's ask this question. Um, if somebody's watching this and they know they know they need help, sure. where would you have them call first? Well, I would look at the beginning of the phone book and go to Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay. All right. Um, you know, to go to meetings. When you get out of treatment, you're going to go to meetings anyway. And what you want to do is build a recovery community. Mm -hmm. um, also, if you're a Christian, you can carry the message there too. Mm -hmm. We give, we get. Okay. What about this? All right. Uh, Two men I know. Uh, one is named John. Okay. Alcoholic. Got on his knees, accepted Christ, and I think for a while he went to AA, but he just doesn't have a problem anymore. It's not on his radar screen. And then here's man number two, Bob. Mm -hmm. um, he's now with the Lord, but he um, was an alcoholic, started going to his meetings on Friday night. Uh, years of sobriety, but he says basically his point was. I still have to go to my meeting every Friday night or I'll be in trouble. I, I, you tell me, it seems to me man number two is the norm, not man number one. Am I right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, I also see that maybe we get victory over one sin, but it's like whack-a-mole at Chuck E. Cheese where you take the kid and you hit one down, something else pops up. <laughs> um, we're, we all fall short of the glory of God. No one is righteous, uh -huh. no one, it says in the Bible. What happens is we get other sins to come in and take our place. They're all God's substitutes, but whatever works for you, I'm all for. Mm -hmm. I go to an accountability group with men once a week, I'm in a Bible study, and I'm active in my church. Yeah, I do it all. Do well, I, you know, the only thing we don't do it all in, if we're alcoholic, we're all in, big event guys, except when our, it comes to our recovery and our walk, then we're showing great signs of moderation. Yeah, yeah. Do you have the experience where somebody maybe has 10 years of sobriety and then they fall off the wagon? Oh, sure. Does that happen? Yes. And then what do you do with that person? Well, uh, it happens a lot, and the longer people are sober, the harder it is for them to come back. Once they fall in. Because you have to be willing to acknowledge it and listen to other but people. But don't they normally come back? They try. Yeah. But the longer you're sober, it seems there's a correlation to that it's tougher to humble yourself to come back. All right. I'm not a Catholic, I'm a Lutheran, but I still believe in confession and absolution. Yes. Where you go to either the priest or the pastor or just another Christian and you confess your sin and you let them pronounce over you, God has forgiven you through the blood of Christ. That is powerful. Right. Do you do that in your ministry? Uh, I have guys that I work with one-on-one -on -one and we pray. Um, 
my understanding of the Bible is that they get their forgiveness from Jesus. Yes, and so, yes. Um, it, yeah. But it's an interesting question. A lot of the people, Tom, that I work with can't forgive themselves. Mm -hmm. A good friend of mine named Dennis Otto, who has a prison ministry, a couple of years ago gave me this great truth. I always give him credit because I steal most people's. It's not your job to forgive yourself. It's Jesus's job. Let him do it, get out of the way. And that works really well with people. <laughs> yeah. Because well, we all have that one and, you sin. Know, when I ask God to forgive my sins, yeah. I often say, and God, in your strength and power, not my own, in your strength and power, I forgive myself for what I've done. I love that. Yeah, because I can't do it. You know, I'm all, guilt is always, and you know. Uh, we all have that one or two that we like to hold on to that I know that you forgave everybody else, but this one's so bad. Yeah, yeah, and that's the devil. It is. And, and you know, you go to church yeah. and people say, well, you know, I go to church, there's all these holy Christian and then, then there's me. No, if you could see underneath the sheets of everybody, we've all got the original sin we're battling. Yeah. Yep. Let, let me ask you this. So I have a friend who works in a Christian recovery movement. Okay. And <clears throat> so I said to him, you know, of all the people that have gone through your program, and it's, there's been a lot, how many of them do you think relapse? And he said, probably almost all of them. Does that sound right to you? Yes. Okay, explain that. Okay, uh, I'll explain it the best I can. Okay. Most people don't stay permanently sober. Uh, but uh, I went to treatment three times, used after my third treatment. I've been sober 34 years. Statistically, I'm a treatment failure. What happens? I'd say probably 10 to 15% of people finally make long-term recovery. But most people, it's in and out, in and out, in and out. It's the same with our Christian walk. What percentage of people are really down and into it every day? Jesus, what mm -hmm. do you have me do? Mm -hmm. Some of us have good days, and then we have mm -hmm. bad days. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing. Uh, I hear treatment centers talk about 70%. Uh, I don't see it. And, but, I can lose my sobriety, but I cannot lose my salvation. All right. Yep. And, you know, let's talk about this. Uh, Is that fair? As a pastor, I can say, you know, if you've sinned and you've repented and you're trusting in Christ, and then you do it again, okay? If you trust in Christ, you're still saved. And that's all of us. We all right. sin and thought we're in deed daily. Yep. But here's a guy who sins. And hey, I was baptized, or I prayed the prayer, and I asked Jesus, I'm living in sin, I don't repent, I don't fight it, but hey, I'm saved. That's the person I don't think is saved. There's got to be a battle with our sin. If there's no battle, if there's no repentance, have you been, I believe we're saved by grace alone, but grace alone changes our life. And if there's no repentance, that's the person I think. So my, my point is, if you've fallen <laughs> again and again and again, but you keep coming to Christ, you battle, those people are saved. Absolutely. <coughs> yeah. I, I think uh, it's a gift from God, and I don't understand why Repentance some people yeah. don't get sobriety too. Yeah. Uh, I, I was the big mess up for seven years, and then I got sober, and through God's grace and everything, 40 years later, um, 34 years later, I'm a recovery guy that helps a lot of people. Did I do that on my own? No, I didn't want to quit using. Okay. I love doing cocaine. I love drinking. Yeah. It was all God. Yeah. yeah. Uh, can I take credit for it? Not at all. I go to accountability groups if a person wants to go to AA or uh, celebrate recovery or whatever. I believe that you have a ministry 
to share what God did in your life with other people. Yes. To say, hey, how'd you do it? Hey, you know what? I didn't. God did it for me. But here's how I tried to do it. Yeah. I don't know um, why I'm sober, but I know how. I've got a, here's a couple that I talked to yesterday. I think they're in their 60s. Okay. Having big marital prime problems, going to uh, marital counseling and working on a lot. And I said, God bless you, and God is going to use you later down the road to help some other people going through the same thing. So that's what you're doing. Yeah. Well, I think that's what we're all called to do, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's you, right. Everybody has some ministry. Um, one of the big things we're seeing now in the addiction community, of course, is porn. Mm -hmm. And I, I say the only men that have a problem with porn are men that have seen it. Mm -hmm. um, we're not wired to see that stuff. And I think we need to get honest, not how well we're doing, but how needy we are. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing, yeah. Uh, and if any man be in Christ, he's in Christ. So my whole walk, Tom, is every day I wake up and I've got to make a choice. Who am I going to serve today? I pray for sobriety before I get out of bed. And I got to tell you, I haven't, you know, I don't know you, but I haven't met anybody that I know who needs the Savior as much as I do. I pray for sobriety before I get out of bed. And that works for me. <laughs> yeah, some nights I gotta battle the thoughts and get out of here. What are you doing? Yeah, and and you know, with the addiction thing, uh, because pornography is such a big addiction now, are there groups for people who have porn addiction? Sure. What are they called? I, somebody watching this has a porn addict, or they're they're addicted to going visiting prostitutes or whatever. Where do they go for help? A really good guest would know that. I don't. Okay. Have to. All right. Well, there's something uh, called Sexaholics Anonymous. Well, there's Sex Addicts Anonymous. Uh huh. Yep. I would look there. Um, and I think one of the things that you, I would encourage people to do is go. You do have a problem. Yeah. What are you willing to do about it? It's okay that you have it. Confess your sin. Yep. And now let's look at removing it. Yep. And there, the other thing people do is men get an accountability partner. Yes. And, and once a week or once a day they call them and then they meet with them once a week to check up on how you're doing with the porn problem. There are a lot of churches that have these men's groups now and for women as well. But um, that would be, there, there are groups like that around the country now. So that's another option. It's, uh, I go to continuing education units to keep my counseling license. And one of the things that happens is uh, they'll have things like sex uh, sessions you can go to where they discuss this. And the lady a couple of years ago gave it, most of her clients were pastors. Mm -hmm. um, so sin doesn't show any favoritism, no. does it? And I would, I would tell people, Google the words living waters. And if you've got a sexual addiction of any sort, Google the words living waters. And that's a program you go through for various sexual problems. Okay. And, you know, it's, uh, uh, we need to admit as Christians, like you just said, pastors have these problems. All Christians have, everybody's got something, you know. Uh, what about this? You know, the Bible says we are now new creatures in Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. How do you answer this question? Is it right, therefore, for you to say, I am present tense an alcoholic? Do you say that, or, or how do you put it? Well, I always go to the Bible for okay. me. Okay. Um, and Paul said that he was the chief of sinners. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go with it's okay for George to say he's a recovering alcoholic. Okay. Now, I think the thoughts behind the question usually are, are you saying you're still that person? No, through Jesus' help, I'm in recovery. But I need to hear myself say how broken I am every day. Mm -hmm. And 
what, what Jesus said in that verse is, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Part of my being in Christ is reminding me of who I am on my own. So if somebody wants to say that they're uh, a recovering addict or alcoholic, I think they're able to do that. Mm -hmm. But I don't think they're slamming what God's done. I mm -hmm. think that can be, mm -hmm. you know, part of it. Yeah, that makes like, any sense. And a, a, yeah, and in a prior show, we, there's a Latin phrase, simul justus et peccator, meaning simultaneously saint and sinner. And the reformers, Luther, Calvin, used that phrase that when you come to Christ, you do become a new creature, but simultaneously you're still a sinner, and you're both till the day you die. That is fabulous. Yeah, yeah, and so we need to know that so we don't club people over the head for sinning, but we don't uh, also, we don't want to deny that we are new creatures in Christ. Yes. And he is cleaning us up, bit by, and it'll be complete in heaven, but this side of, of heaven, no. <laughs> One of the things with working with people that I see, and I know you do with your you know, pastor uh, duties, people think they're doing a lot better than they are in addiction. Um, people will go, I'm never going to use again. I, I won't say that. I said that no, once. No. I was wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, pride comes before the fall. Let every man take heed yeah. lest he stumble. Yeah. So I want to keep some humility on that. And I don't know about you. I just met you today. But humility is not a gift of mine, which is amazing. I look at my, my life. I should be the most humble guy on the planet. <laughs> but I'm kind of an egomaniac with an inferiority complex. Yeah. And I think most of us as addicts are in that we want to be God, but we know we don't have the game to do it. <laughs> But that, I think that's our big sin problem, yeah. isn't it? I mean, yes. um, you want people to worship you. Yeah, instead and that's of why I don't want to get help because people find out I'm not perfect, you know. Exactly. And we gotta, we got to renounce that and say, look, God, get me help. I'm going to join a group. I'm going to get an accountability partner. And So, everybody, we've only got a minute left. But just, George, thank you so much. Thank you, Tom. For, for being on the show. And, again, uh, like I started out with the mother who's been praying her, for her daughter for 18 years. She saw her get baptized yesterday. Her daughter yes. is now in Teen Challenge. If you or a loved one need help, don't put it off. Uh, call Alcoholics Anonymous, Alcoholics Victorious. Join a church that has a celebrating recovery group, which is excellent. Yep. Isn't it? And just, um, but just don't. If you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. So do something different, get some help, and uh, just also to say that this program is on the air because of your prayers and giving, and we thank you for that. P keep praying for this show, and if the Lord nudges you to help, there'll be an address at the end of the show, and you can go to our website, and if, if somebody you know needs to see this specific program, go to pastorstudy.org, two S's, and look for the show called Dealing with Addiction, and then there's all kinds of other shows. It's free to watch, but go to pastorstudy.org, and you can see all of our shows, and we'll see you next time at The Pastor Study. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by the pastor's study, would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org, two S's, 
or mail a check to the pastor's study. P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.